Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. fans it is i darian thomas your host of the trust the buzz podcast a part of the believe podcast network i got an interesting episode for you today sorry that it's been so long i was on a project for work and that was kicking my butt and then i had to go on a work trip so i really haven't been able to just record or do any content whether it's the youtube channel the podcast researching i haven't been able to do anything so i'm finally back Finally got to kind of, you know, some stability. So we're going to go ahead and talk about some things because some things have happened since we last spoke. So I'm going to break down what we're going to talk about today. So one, talking about our new segment, stat line of the day, where I just give you a random stat line. That, and, and the point is you got to guess who uh, provided that stat line. Uh, then we're going to talk about the Hornets wins, the over under. I've seen some crazy things, seen some crazy things. And then also I want to talk about the PJ signing. So, you know, a relatively, you know, decent, you know, linked episode today. So we'll see how far it goes. But yeah, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. So for the stat line for today, on November 25th, against the Minnesota Timberwolves, a player recorded 25 minutes, 14 points, seven rebounds, three assists, and one steal. They also shot four of seven from the field, and they made one three-pointer. They're only, they only attempted one, and they made it. And they were five, or five of six from the free throw line. So next episode, I'll let you know who it is. But until then, go ahead and try to figure it out. Don't look it up. But, yeah, that's the stat line of the day. And I'll also be bringing new segments. I don't even think that segment's going to stick. I'm just trying to trying to find new segments to, you know, increase engagement. Because I feel like y'all would want to kind of feel like you could talk back. That's the one thing about, like, podcasts. It doesn't feel like you can really talk back or interact. So I'm trying to, you know, leave that open so that we can have that interaction. And we can do that by, if you follow me on Twitter, at TrustBuzz, T-R-U-Z-Z-B-U-Z-Z. I'm always active on there. So if you don't get an episode for me or I haven't recorded a video, I'm always active on there. So we can always talk hoops there. I'm always talking about something Charlotte Hornets related on there. I'm also thinking about turning that account into a uh, technically like a brand account. And then what I'm going to do is just make my own personal account. So I can kind of separate the two just because I do want to kind of further where I'm at as far as just kind of like this content creation slash media thing. So I feel like it would be best if I were to just have two separate pages for that. And one being, you know, you know, Charlotte Hornets related and then my personal, uh, I think that would just help out a lot. So let me know what you think of that. Cause I'm always, you know, open to ideas, but that's kind of the road that I'm leaning. Uh, and I don't want to make a new account necessarily, uh, to be the brand account just because I've done all the work and grown all the followers on there. So I kind of just, I don't care if my personal account has that many followers. So anyway, um, now that we're done with the stat line of the day, let's move on to the Hornets win, um, the over under on wins. So right now, as of yesterday and yesterday would be November 5th or not November, September 5th, um, DraftKings had us at 31.5. Caesar Sportsbook had us at 30.5, while FanDuel had us at 30.5. So without even 
looking at the rest of the NBA, I already find that to be a problem just because we won 27 or 28 games last year without a 20 point per game score in Miles Bridges, missing LaMelo Ball for a good chunk of that, missing Kelly Oubre for a good chunk of that, midway st- well, starting Mason Plumley as your starting center in the NBA is only going to get you so far. And then midway through trading him basically for nothing so that we can make room for Mark Williams, who obviously at the time was a rookie. And then Nick Richards, who I think is a valuable backup, but still like that, that was your center rotation. What, what do you do with that? Gordon Hayward missed some time. It was probably his healthiest season, but he still missed some time. Uh, Terry Rozier didn't play well, but that's because he was asked to do so much. It it was just all over the place. PJ, I mean, PJ was PJ, but with his play style, it's not built to win games. He's built to, we have all our guys here. I'm the glue guy. That's kind of where I see PJ. That's why I value PJ so much. And I've said it before, which we'll get into when we talk about the PJ signing. I value guys who are kind of like the glue guy. I don't need everybody to want to be a star. I just need you to hold your own. And he did win us that game against OKC last year. So that's good. But overall, that's just not his style. So there was a lot going on. I feel like the the team just wasn't where we wanted him to be. Um, Even though Kelly Oubre missed some time and and that obviously hurt us. He also was extremely inefficient. So there was just a lot going on. Um, and this year, I think we fixed a lot of that. So the Mellow Ball is going to be healthy. Terry Rozier can play more of his role. Then we have, if I don't know, we're just going through the lineup. Let's just say Gordon Hayward starts for whatever reason. Take that with a grain of salt. There's really not much you could do there. We need Gordon Hayward badly um, this upcoming season. He's probably going to be like one of the most important players on the roster. And that's for two different reasons. One reason is. If we trade him, we need to get something valuable back because as of right now, he's kind of like the best chance we have at a either a three or a six man. Because I even though I like Brandon Miller and I think Brandon Miller should start, I've said that um, Brandon Miller is still a rookie at the end of the day. So I'm not going to put the kind of pressure that. Gordon Hayward technically has on a rookie and expect him to excel. Now, if we can do that, but we, we shouldn't expect too much. Um, but yeah, so either we trade Gordon Hayward and then what we get back has to be something that can help us win. Um, it doesn't have to be a superstar or anything like that. I know he's an expiring deal. What more can you get back? Even if it opens up a roster spot for us to make a better move, like it's just going to be important either way. And then also we got to look at it if, for whatever reason, he stays on the team, which expiring contract, he's not a bad player. He just can't stay on the floor. Um, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they just kept him throughout the season, let his contract run out. We need that. We need someone to kind of slow down the game. We need the veteran leadership. I've always said this. He's, I think he's a good leader for the team, he, but his leading style is kind of by example. When you're not on the court, you can't really lead by example. But that's what I see for Gordon Hayward. I see him as that guy to kind of just keep us level. Um, he can make shots here and there. Um, he, he's, he's pretty good in the mid range, which we don't really have anyone that can really operate in the mid range like that. Uh, he, he's just a smart defender. I'm not saying he's locking anybody up, but he knows what to do. It's just, will his body let him to do it? Um, I just think he's a good person to have around. It's literally the price point has been my biggest thing with Gordon Hayward. Cause even if he's missing all these games, which was expected when we signed him, it was the price point that makes it so bad. I think you could sign him for 20, 
million a year and I, I wouldn't be as upset. I'd be more, you know, in tune or more happy with what we what we're getting from him. And, you know, last year, basketball wise was not his best year with the Hornets, at least. Still, I believe that he's a very valuable player, considering he is on the last year of his deal. So we need something from him either way. Either we trade him and we get something in return um, that can, you know, to obviously take those minutes and fill that role or he plays and he just plays how we did not last year, but the year before, uh, but just a little more healthy. So we'll see. But I think we need that. It's just I don't know which way they're going to go. And once again, by trading him, I just I'm not expecting nothing, some huge return. All I'm saying is I'm I would rather have I rather have that kind of role where Gordon that Gordon Hayward is playing, which is hey, you are kind of like the connector between our bench and our starters. So there will be times where we're our bench is, you know, kind of playing and there may not be playing the best, but you're kind of holding them together until the starters come back in. And then, you know, we rest you bring in or keep Brandon Miller on the floor. And then, you know, something like that. That's kind of where I see Gordon Hayward playing. And I think that is a very valuable role. I don't think that's something to, you know, smog at. I think that's a very valuable role. So, uh, yeah, that, that's my Gordon Hayward spiel. Um, but yeah, you look at that where Gordon Hayward's at the three. Um, and then you would go, more than likely, Miles Bridges at the four, right? Yeah, and that's, like I said, 20-point-per-game score at the four. I believe he's way more of a mismatch than he is at the three, even though I do see why people say he's probably designed for the three. I agree with that. He is more of a three than he is a four. However, his miss he's a complete mismatch at the four. So having him be a four, I think it's going to be a really good thing. Um, and then Mark Williams, of course, at the five, who – statistically does the same. Cause I know some people that aren't Hornets fans are like, Hey, uh, you know, we see the stats, but what's the difference between Mason Plumley and Mark Williams, as far as, you know, production and their production is about the same, you know, points. And then you look at the rebounds, Mike Mason Plumley was a pretty, actually a pretty, I don't even, I wouldn't even call him a pretty, he was a good statistical rebounder because he would get out rebounded so often. Um, and he just didn't box out. It was he kind of got more of the free boards. As many rebounds as he got, he kind of got the boards that were like givens. Um, and, it may, and some of that may have to do with us shooting so poorly uh, last year, but I don't know. Mark Williams is more of an aggressive rebounder. I, I see him take more. I wonder if that's a stat. I see him kind of box out and take more rebounds than Mason Plumlee did. So that's something that technically won't show on the stat sheet, but I see it as in someone that's watching. But also someone that's watching, the difference is Mark Williams is actually a rim deter. While he may not have three blocks a game, four blocks a game, he, he, I think he has like one and a half or something like that, which is good. I'll take it. Um, but the, you got to count for the shots that – People just go up and he just deters and they have to pass it. They lose the ball, something. I think he's just a better rim protector than Mason Plumlee was. So that's going to help this team out a lot. But when you take in all of that in consideration, so the start lineup, we're just spitballing here, is LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, and Mark Williams with P.J. Washington, uh, Cody Martin, or Kate, we have Cody, Cody Martin, Brandon Miller, um, I'm trying to think, and not, and not in order of how they're coming off the bench. I'm just uh, thinking of the names. Nick Richards and sometimes J.T. Thor, Bryce McGowan's. I'm taking that. And then maybe you can throw in J.T. Thor, Bryce McGowan's, Nick Smith Jr. 
I'll take that going into the season. That, I mean, that's kind of just the most likely lineup. I know that we signed Frank Nealakina, but I don't know how much of a – I think he's going to get run early. Don't know if he's going to get run throughout the season. Uh, it's just he doesn't do much offensively, which we don't need him to. I've said that in one of my videos on YouTube, is that we don't necessarily need him to do much offensively, and I think that's why – Dennis Smith Jr. probably would have had an even better season if we were completely healthy with Miles Bridges because at times he was kind of asked to you know run the offense as opposed to take kind of what the defense gives you. And it it kind of worked out in his favor. I mean, we know that you know he's more of a defensive player. And if he could have focused on that, I think that would have been elite for us. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't play out that way. So all I'm saying is that thinking of that lineup, there's no way we only win 30 games. I mean, considering what we had last year compared to what we have this year, assuming everyone's healthy, assuming everyone you know comes out with a chip on the shoulder, everyone's ready to play, there's no way we win 30 games. We win more than 30. I think you're talking easily close to 40. Because you got to think about it. There's 82 games in a season. 41 and 41 is 500. And considering we won 27 games last year with everything going on, Completely not not completely revamped roster, but just a rejuvenated roster. Uh, you you throw in Brandon Miller, you Mark Williams starting from the beginning. Lamelo Ball is healthy. Miles Bridges is back. A, a newly signed PJ. There's no way we only win 30 games. Yes, the East is difficult. Yes, the West is crazy. But there's no way we only win 30 games. We should we should win more than that. Now, granted, to be correct, we just got to win 31. Because uh, most of these were under. I know that was like the number. Most of these are oh, they're going to get under 30. <laughs> to be correct, we just we need to win technically 31 games. And we, we surpassed that. But I see this team at least being close to a 500 team. I, like I said, I, the only reason I say at least is just because don't know what we're going to get from Brandon Miller as a rookie. I'll say that about any rookie. It doesn't matter who, even if it was Scoot. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm a Brandon Miller fan, always was. I just had a pre- preference, but I don't know what we're going to get from Brandon Miller. He's a, he's a rookie. Don't exactly know what we're going to get from Mark Williams. I kind of have an idea, but at the same time, he's a sophomore. He's starting off the season. So it's, it's just going to be a little different in terms of preparation for him. So it may take time to adjust. Um, and I don't know what we're going to get from Gordon Hayward. And as I mentioned earlier, that's going to be a very important part because without him, we don't have anyone that's proven to have to be somewhat successful in the NBA when it when it comes when it comes down to that tier. So of course it's the Lamelo Ball, Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier tier. I mean, you know, they could be probably broken up into their own tiers, but you get the point. Where okay, we've seen these guys do well. These are our, these are our guys. Like these are the guys we expect. And then we have like in that lower tier, we probably like the tier under that. We'll probably have PJ and. You might can toss Mark in there just because of what he did last year. But as far as like projecting into this upcoming season, all right, PJ, uh, we've seen, you know, what you can do. Obviously, you're not these upper guys, but you're, you're, you know, you're up there. We need you for the defense. We need you for the versatility. You're probably one of the most versatile players in terms of just basketball in general, offense and defense that we have on the roster. Then we have Mark Williams, who seems like he's just going to be a stud uh, defensive center, which I'll take. Uh, I mean, Give me 14 and 10 and I'm happy. And, and that's, he looks like he can easily provide that, if not more. But we'll see as the time as time goes on. So I, I think he'll be in that second tier and that third tier. That's where, you know, we have that's where Gordon Hayward is. I think that's like 
Maybe you can toss Nick Richards in there, but I'm not comparing Nick Richards' career to Gordon Hayward's. I'm just saying as far as just impact and what we've seen that they can do, that's where you kind of put Gordon Hayward there just because he's declining injuries, all that. He technically should be kind of in that second tier, but under that is just unproven players, not not skill set, like not like, oh, I've seen these guys play and how good. It's just as far as their production at the NBA level. What under that is nobody. Brandon Miller, obviously a rookie. Nick Virginia, obviously a rookie. Bryce McCowns, a sophomore who really didn't get that much playing time. James Booknight, we have no idea what's going on. JT Thor, you know what I'm saying? I can go on and on. So that's why I keep saying how important Gordon Hayward is, is because once you get past Melo, Terry, Miles, then you go PJ Mark, and then right there is unproven players and then Gordon Hayward and Nick Richards, which Nick Richards, I mean, you could even argue he may be even under the tier of Gordon Hayward and then everybody else. Um, but, that, you know, we're not here to fight over that. But that's maybe a video. idea. Maybe that's a good video idea. But overall, it's just Gordon Hayward is just going to be very important for this season because once those guys come out, those guys do, you know what I'm saying? He's kind of like the guy they're going to look at. They're not really going to look at PJ to be like, oh, well, take, you know, mile spot. Uh, roster, like rotation wise, maybe, but not as far as production. Um, they're going to look at Gordon Hayward. You're the veteran. We need you to step up. This is the last year of your deal. You've been injured. It hasn't been a good, like, you know what I'm saying? It's just going to be so much that Gordon Hayward will need to do. And all he needs to do is, like I said, do what he did two years ago and just be efficient and be available. Um, so. That's why I keep saying it's just going to be so important. But let's look at the teams. Like I said, the Hornets, they have us technically under 30 wins, which I, I know will surpass that. But the teams in the East, I didn't I didn't even bother looking at the West because technically it doesn't matter to us. Um, plus, there wasn't many. I mean, it was like the bottom teams in the West, and then everybody else was pretty high. But let's look at the notable teams in the East. So they have the Magic at 36 and a half, which I believe all these were overs. Magic at 36 and a half, Raptors at 36 and a half, Pacers at 37 and a half, Nets at 36 and a half, Bulls at 36 and a half, Hawks at 42 and a half. So, and, well, and then Pistons at 28 and a half. So the Hawks, I want to talk about that one first. Because one, we beat the Hawks last year. Now, granted, that was last year and it was a different season. There was a down season for them, but still, we did. Um, also, you got to look at it as. 42 and a half is 12 more games than us. Do I think the Hawks are coached? Uh, yeah, I would say co- are coached and maybe have like a better roster overall than us. Yeah, for sure. Fine. I'm okay with that. Is it 12 games of a difference? I don't think so. I mean, I could be crazy, but 12 game difference? I just that I do not see. Um, I just don't see the Hawks being 12 games over. And then considering we're under we're under 30 wins, is it's even worse because like the Hawks, I think we're over like it was a 42 and a half over. So it just didn't make any it just didn't make any sense. Like were the Hawks even 12 games above us last season? OK, the Hawks last year, I'm looking, they were 41 and 41. We were 27 and 55. So there were 14 games above us with our team dismantled. So I, I just 12 games is a lot. Like I said, I, I'm willing to accept that the Hawks are better than us right now without seeing a single game of the new season, of course. Just, you know, just on paper. 
I'll take that. But 12 games better? I don't think so. And then the Magic, that 36 and a half, don't see it. That's six games better than us. I don't see it. If anything, we should be – okay, I'll put it this way. We should be technically above the Magic, in my opinion. However, the Hornets do be doing Hornet things. And so, therefore, I can see why, you know, the gap may seem closer than really what it is. And the Magic, what we saw from last year, they they come out to play. They were just they're just a young team, but they come out to play unlike us um, sometimes. So we'll see. I will say that, um, you know, last year, you know, I don't really even count. So maybe this year, Steve Clifford will not allow his team to kind of play down to the competition like James Borrego did. So maybe that will help. Uh, but it's really hard to to just speculate all that because we haven't seen it. So. I'm not going to. I'm just going to go based on paper. And, yeah, we do Hornets things sometimes and allow teams to be in the game that, you know, that don't deserve it. And we sometimes we just play a little lazy. Well, you know, I think the magic, that gap is closer. Raptors definitely think that gap is way closer than what it what it seems. I don't think the Raptors are going to be that much better than us. Yes, they have Pascal. Yes, they have OG. But it lost, they lost Fred Van Vliet, who – May as you look at his numbers, maybe inefficient, but he, he still made an impact on the floor. And then yes, they have Scotty Barnes, who was on a decline last year, but I don't think that's gonna that's here to stay. I think he's gonna be better. They got Gary Trent Jr., uh, Grady Dick. You know they got some shooting. I still don't see foresee them being that much better than us. Pacers. That's the thing I want to be more than anything. One, of course, the embarrassment they gave us um, in the play-in two, three years ago at this point. Uh, but two, Tyrese is now on that team. And the Tyrese, one, which is crazy, is I actually really, really like Tyrese Halliburton. Even coming out of uh, college, I, out of Iowa State, I really like Tyrese Halliburton. But now this whole, it's not that people are saying he's better than LaMelo. That doesn't bother me. People are going to have their opinions. It's the difference. People are like, oh, he's way better. Like, I don't see LaMelo out there for Team USA. One, LaMelo's hurt. Two, Tyrese has already been on probably, I would roughly say the Kings team that he was on even before they, you know, they got a resurgence was good. I mean, they had Deer and Fox. Uh, Okay, maybe not because it was like Deer and Fox and Tyrese. But okay. But the point is, He's surrounded by way more talent. At least the 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 year we're using is last year. And like I said, LaMelo got hurt and he didn't have nowhere near the talent that Tyrese had or surrounded him uh last year. So uh, it's just I want the, I want to beat the Pacers bad just because of the fact of all that. Um it is it, it is. I'm I'm just going to say it it just makes me upset. And then and then the Nets at 36 and a half. I just that's a that's a weird one. I really don't know how to gauge them. They they did a good job of kind of keeping afloat what Kyrie and Durant did. Um, but I don't think they're going to be better. The thing is, just because the 36 and a half, I'm not saying they won't get that. What I'm saying is just that is that are they better than the Hornets? Is my is kind of my point. It's not about are they gonna get the 36 wins or not? It's just are they better than the Hornets considering they're at 36 and we're at 30? I don't think so. Bulls. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that the Bulls are going to be that much better than us. I. I, I don't see it. Yes, they have the names: Vooch, uh, Demar Derozan, Alice Caruso, uh, Zach Levine. Who else is on there? Patrick Williams. Even though that's not really a name, but you get the point. Um, I don't know who else is on there. I can't think. But yes, they have the names. They have the status. They have the 
maybe the coach. I don't know. I don't know if Billy Donovan's that good. But no, I just don't see them being six games better than the Hornets. I just think the gap is closer. That's, that's all I'm kind of saying here. And then the Pistons at 28 and a half. If the Hornets are at under 30 and the Pistons are like at 28, no. Or we're we're that much better than the Pistons. It should not be it should not be that close. Do I think the Pistons are going to be as bad as they were last year? No, not at all. I think the Pistons have a little a really good thing going. I just don't see them being that close to us. Um if they're at 28 and we're at 30, that's kind of my point. If if the Pistons overdo it, then we should be overdoing it too. You know what I mean? If the Pistons exceed expectations, we should be exceeding expectations as well. That's just kind of my point. But yeah, that's it as far as just uh, the over-unders. I think it's very interesting to see. Um, I mean, I'm not going to take these with a grain. Like I, I take these with a grain of salt. I'm not too serious about it. I'm not too open arms about it. It was just interesting to see that ours is so close to our total last year, but we have a you really could look at this team as a new team because our best player is back and, and not injured. Our second best player is back after not playing all season. We have a plan at center, two centers at that. And then we have the number two overall pick who's a who's a wing that can defend, rebound, and shoot and play make. Yes, he's going to be a rookie, but I'm just saying, like, it, it's it's just new team. It really does feel like a new team. And then all that leads to, you know, all those good things lead to Terry being able to finally play his game. Yes, I don't think Terry's going to have the season he had, I think, two years ago. But I do think he's going to be a lot better because he's going to be back in his role, which is off ball. He's going to be able to run around, make plays off ball, and be back to what he was before. So I just, the 30, under 30 is crazy to me. Um, But after that, now we can talk about the final segment for this um, episode. Let me know if you're enjoying it down in the comments. Somehow, if you're listening to this on YouTube, let me know in the comment section below. I think um, all podcast platforms have like this comment section and this rating section. Give this five stars or thumbs up, whatever it is in the comment section for the uh, podcast platforms. And make sure you just leave a comment of things I can do better, things you want to hear more, all all of that. Just let me know. I'm here to make content for you. This content isn't for me. I want to make content for you. So if there's something you want to hear, something I need to do better, please let me know and I will do it. But as we close out, I want to talk about, obviously, the PJ resigning. First of all, what Mitch said yesterday was hilarious, where PJ was like, I always want to be in Charlotte. Uh, you know, there was never a doubt, like yada, yada. And Mitch Kupchak was like, that's not what your agent said. Like, that's not what your people say. Your people said other things. Now, obviously, it's negotiation tactics and whatnot, but I, I still thought it was funny. And PJ thought it was funny, too. I Some players may, I see PJ, and I say this in a nice way because I'm the same way. I see PJ kind of as a goofball guy, like a guy that likes to laugh. The guy doesn't like to be too serious all the time, um, but knows when to. And I see him as that, so I'm glad he took it, you know, in that way and didn't kind of get upset. So that that was one thing. But Mitch, Mitch, oh, yeah, hey, you know, old people, they're gonna say what they want to say. So hey, you can't you can't fault them too much. But it was it was still funny nonetheless. But the PJ deal. Before we talk about the technicalities of the deal, what I want to talk about is how everyone said. It was an overpay at the beginning. When he first got signed, it was wholly overpay. Oh, why would they pay him so much? Oh, my goodness. This is so much. And that's when we thought it was going to be around. When the deal first came out, it was around like 16 mil a year. We allegedly, you know, believe based on the math, it was just going to be around 16 a year. These are I'm going to name some players. And these are all the players who make 
there's two qual these two qualifications I had to make this list. You had to make anywhere between 14 and 17 million dollars a year. And also you had to have at least three years left on your deal. So this upcoming season and obviously two seasons after that. That that was my criteria to make this list. So tell me again that PJ is an overpay after I read you this list. Max Struess makes 14 million. LeGuin's door. Uh, makes 15 million. Kevin Herter, 15.6. Mitchell Robinson, 15.6. Rui Hachimura, 15.7. Kevin Porter Jr. Now, him is a little different because I think he has like a whole bunch of like, we can cut this deal at any time. It's not all again. I don't know exactly the ins and outs of it, but it is a different kind of deal. But still, 15.8 million. Yusuf Nurkic, 16.8 million and newly re-signed for the uh, Sacramento Kings. Harrison Barnes, 17 million a year based on the math. There's no way. If you look at that list, I'm taking PJ over everybody except maybe LeGuin's Dort. Projection-wise, maybe I think you probably can go LeGuin's Dort. But as far as right now, this second, it's it's a lot closer, even though I would still uh, lend or lean towards Dort. I don't see how PJ's an overpay, even if it was at the 16 mil a year. It's not. Like, I get it. Yes. Technically, in his role, do you do you want to sign a player for that much? Maybe not, but in this day and age in the NBA, you need to. And as I mentioned, PJ's the glue guy. It's so important. It's, it's it reminds me of the Drew Holiday and Mike Conley signings years ago when everybody's like, oh, these guys got overpaid. I think Mike Conley signed. With resigned with the uh, um, Grizzlies at the time, and then Drew Holiday resigned with the Pelicans. Everybody's like, "Oh, there's so much," but you had to think about it. This isn't those players were not signed based on how and how valuable they are to the league. It was how valuable are you to our franchise? And Mike Conley, the biggest one, that he was extremely valuable to the Memphis Grizzlies' success. Extremely valuable. So it. You have to sign players based on how valuable they are to you. And based on our roster right now, we don't have a player like PJ. We the only one we has even close is um the only player we have even close is Thor, who is nowhere near ready. So it just didn't make sense for everybody to say that's an overpay when PJ does something that not many other people do on our team. And then also you gotta think about it. Where were they gonna get? Replace that kind of production. There's no one left on the on the market like that. Christian Wood is more offensively gifted, and will just be back to you know kind of not playing any defense. I don't, I don't if no one can get Christian Wood to play defense right now. So that's why he signed with the Lakers. I don't think he would have to play defense there. Or if anyone can do it, it's LeBron. So it just didn't. It it just I didn't see it as an overpay. I think PJ got the money he's worth. Yes, I didn't think he was worth the twenty million, but sixteen million, nah, no problem at all. But then we find out. That this deal is like staggered. So the first year he makes 16.8 million. Then the second year it drops to 15.5 million. And then the final year of his deal, 14.2 million. So he gets the money up front and it goes down. That is an amazing deal. And I actually want to do some research because that might be one of the best deals I've seen from the Charlotte Hornets. And I just saw a post the other day talking about like the 10 worst overpays in. I want to say it was NBA history, but maybe it was like recency by because it was a lot of recent contracts. I don't remember, but either way, it was like 10 worse overpays. We were on there twice. 
we were we were at number two for Gordon Hayward, and we were like at number six or seven for Nicholas Batum. When you think about our past, when we do finally decide to resign players or spend money, it never works out for us. This time we decided, and I, no matter literally, if PJ does the same thing that he's been doing in the past, which I think he'll get better, I, that, I, he's still getting better. We're seeing that. But even if he does the same thing he's been doing his whole career, it's still worth this money. In the grand scope, in the grand scope of things, compared to thinking about how what he means to the Charlotte Hornets, because like I said, there's no we don't have anyone to replace him. So yes, you could probably say the Hornets have leverage or whatever, but I don't know because like I said, PJ probably or his team at least probably knew. There's what are you going to do if you lose PJ? There's nothing you can do. You're not a team that likes to trade. You're not going to overreact. You have new owners, so they're probably not going to be do nothing crazy. You where where are you going to get this kind of production from in reliable? Because your only two options to fill that void that's on your roster are JT Thor, who I said is we. I, I think JT Thor is improving. I like what I'm seeing from JT Thor. Still has time to go to get even better. Gordon Hayward, who can't stay healthy, and Brandon Miller, who is a rookie. That's it. That's all. That's all you have to kind of fill that void, and you just don't want to do that. So it, it was just going to be rough. Uh, regardless, but I don't what it ended up being. I think that's that's a steal. And then the money goes down. Let's Miles get his money. Uh, it helps with that. Um, and it goes down again, so it lets him kind of even be a little more flexible. It's it's just a lot. It's a lot of good here in this PJ deal. I, I love it. Um, I know some people might not, but I, I I personally do love the PJ deal. And then just the Thrones, he has some like small incentives. So. He gets 500K per season, an additional 500K per season. If he plays 74 games in at least uh, 2,400 minutes, which he has not reached that at all Um, because he has to do both. And I I think he's been doing one or the other uh, since he's been in the league. Uh, getting getting real playing time. So uh, it, overall, it was just a great deal. It was a great deal. It, it, it incentivized PJ to play more, get better, to get that little extra 500K. Um, And then also you just got to look at the money. And I think that, I mean, it's just, it's a steal in my opinion, um, just because of the fact that it, it it's just a great, it's a great contract. I don't know who worked this contract, but it's a, and it's a great contract for both sides because PJ, you're not stuck with the Hornets. So if, if stuff goes awry, you're not stuck with this team. This is a very tradable deal. And then with the Hornets, you still continue to have some type of cap flexibility and still able to do other stuff. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. That does it for this episode of the Trust the Buzz podcast. I promise I'm going to get back on it. It's time to kind of start revamping uh, and vamping up the content. Uh, so definitely be on the lookout for all on all your podcast platforms where I believe we have podcasts everywhere on every platform. So make sure you go ahead and you know continue listening and also go ahead and follow me or subscribe to me on YouTube if you haven't already uh, at it's Trust the Buzz on YouTube. I'm at like four. 1.4k which is crazy so thank you to everyone who has subscribed and um yeah i'll continue to i'll continue doing you know what i need to do to provide you the best content i will continue working also on the segments i know stat line of the day might not be the prettiest i know it seems kind of simple but i'll kind of you know get better and better as the season goes on because this i'm doing weekly now but once the season kind of ramps up i'll probably start doing more and i might even start uploading the audio from my 
uh, YouTube channel, like for those videos and upload them on here. So you could, so you probably would have like daily content. And while it's not, won't be podcast platform, and obviously you will be able to tell by the audio it's vamped for YouTube. I hope you would still be able to appreciate that because I know not everybody has time to pull up their phone and put on YouTube or anything like that. You can just basically listen to my videos as well. So I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can do that. I've been hesitant to do it. Belief gave me all the support I needed and said, hey, do that. Like, you you know, yeah, you're cool to do that. I just kind of been hesitant because I would hate for y'all to, you know, kind of come on here expecting a 30 minute episode and then you get like a seven minute uh, little insert. But I think for content wise, just to provide you with content often, I think that would help. So just please forgive me if that doesn't fit your style or if I need to edit it a certain way, maybe I can do that and take out like the YouTube spiel about subscribing and welcoming them to the chat, things like that. So I don't know. We'll figure it out. But thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.